welcome to another episode of Wrestling with Worldwide Willis. I'm glad to be back, folks. And as you know, this podcast is brought to you by the LMG Podcast Network. Um, Yeah, man, I'm back. I'm back this week. Shout out to my guys. Shout out to Spencer. Shout out to, to L. Shout out to Pat filling in for me last week. I got my wisdom teeth removed, all four of them. So, uh, yeah, that was rough. That was really rough. But we got through it. And, uh, yeah, shout out to my guys for covering for me. Uh, but, yeah, I'm back. So, you know what time it is. Uh, matches of the week. Honestly, um, there were some good matches on last week's episode of, of uh, SmackDown. But, really, I kind of want to just focus on the latest episode of Raw which was a really good episode. We'll kind of talk about more of the details there. But the matches of the night were the opening match. We had Drew McIntyre versus Cody Rhodes. Um, this had a this was a really good match. Man, this one felt like it could have been on Elimination Chamber. Or it could have been on Royal Rumble. You know, um, it was just it had that type of feel to it, that type of importance. And they and the cool thing is they really battled it out as if it was an actual rivalry sometimes it'll feel like they're like they'll build up something as a rivalry but when the two get in the ring they don't wrestle like it's a rivalry where in this one it was really intense heavy hitting a lot of blow heavy blows really good match um and for those who say like drew and cody are kind of boring in the ring i don't get it because it's like they're kind of what you want right like they don't mess up stuff uh, they don't botch stuff. They do everything really clean. They do everything really well. Some people just want, you know, I don't, I don't know what they want. They want style. They want a bunch of swag added on the stuff. I just want really good wrestling. And both of these guys give it, give you that. Uh, and it was a really good match. And of course, we got, and we'll talk about that. But the f- finish of the match got, um, the finish of the match got changed just because. Of course, the Uso, the bloodline had to come out there. And you had Jay Uso or Jimmy Uso and Solo uh come out there, interfere, interfere in the match, which caused Drew McIntyre to get the win due to Cody being distracted with the bloodline. So uh really fun match, kind of stacking on top of we'll kind of talk about that theme of this episode, Triple H stacking storylines on top of each other. You know, Cody's of course, has the beef with the bloodline because he's had the beef with The Rock, beef with Roman, obviously, finishing the story. But then also having this beef with Drew, who Drew wants to basically take Cody's main event spot at WrestleMania. And so, yeah, it's uh, it was really good and a uh, really good match. Um, next, we had Jay versus Gunther. Uh, Jay Uso versus Gunther for the Intercontinental title. Really fun match. Really, really good one. Honestly, one of the better ones. Uh, and we'll talk about that in my top five as far as Gunther matches, but this is probably Jay's best singles match to me, uh, for sure. Uh, I thought the one with Roman was solid, but this one, again, it's with Gunther, so it's going to be a level of, a level up as far as opponent, and it really built up Jay to look really good. And the finish was amazing. Um, the finish of thing, it getting broken up, you know, Jay finally getting the best of uh, Gunther. You think hits him with the the splash. You think, oh, maybe he has a chance to win this, and then Jimmy interferes. 
So we really don't get a conclusion on that. Um, Jay, uh, or sorry, uh, Gunther uh, rolls up Jay to uh, win the match, and yeah, it just it was a sloppy finish. Well, sloppy in a good way. Like it left you going, oh, okay. Jay still has a Jay might in the future have a chance against Gunther, but also Gunther looked good, escaped with the victory, looked like a villain, looked really good in the match. And then also we're leading now to a Jimmy versus Jay uh, matchup, potentially at WrestleMania. So, uh, again, really both Drew versus Cody and Jay versus Gunther did its job. When, like, when they, on a piece of paper, when they wrote those matches out, they had certain goals for those matches. Both of them hit hit those goals. Uh, so really, really good. All right. So we'll hit on a few different things that kind of just been on my mind um, since Friday. And then obviously this the results of uh, this latest episode of Raw. But we saw that Braun Breaker is moving up officially and is signing with SmackDown. Uh, that's a really good pickup for SmackDown. Again, as we talked about before, SmackDown is kind of the incubation show that the that Triple H is using SmackDown to kind of put his young young thoroughbreds out there, let them get Sean. You know, we don't want to put them on Raw where they got to deal, they got to compete with Seth and Cody and Drew and Gunther and all these different people for and Jay for TV time. Put them on SmackDown, let them get their own TV time. You know, there's going to be weeks where obviously Roman ain't going to be there. Perfect. That's when you throw in. You give Braun a, a main event match here and there. You give, you know, different people main event matches. And so, yeah, I'm really excited for Braun Breaker's uh, future on SmackDown. He, he's been doing great, great work on uh, NXT. I was not a believer at first. I, I wasn't a believer in the fact that they first pushed him as this white meat baby face who, you know, is the next Goldberg. And it was just like, no, we just need him to be really dominant, and he's gotten a lot better in the ring. He's really honed in on what he can do and what he can't do, and then obviously his spear is just elite-level stuff. So leaning on that has been really good, and his heel stuff with Baron Cor- Corbin was really good. His uh, run where he was a heel and going against Carmelo Hayes was good, and uh, he had some great matches with uh, Ilya Dragunov, so um yeah, I think Braun Breaker is going to be a great pickup for SmackDown. I am. It does seem like they're pushing more towards a babyface to start with, uh, which kind of, I mean, it makes sense. This might be a new introduction to a casual fan, but, you know, I, I did like him as a heel. But either way, I think he'll be fine. He'll be fine. Um, we had a Rhea versus, obviously, we're having Rhea versus Nia Jax at the Elimination Chamber um, coming up this Saturday. However, this week, I mean, this week on Raw, we had they kind of had a, a video kind of like Seth Rollins and Matt Riddle did where they kind of sit and get interviewed um, and they talk back and forth to each other. And uh, it was it was a good segment, really good segment. I'm actually I'm really excited for this match. Um, I think Nia Jax is doing the best work of her career by far. Like this is the best work she's ever done. Uh, she's been really solid in the ring. She's looked dominant. They've done a good job of keeping her looking dominant, but also not putting her in positions to to potentially hurt anybody, right? She's been really safe. Um, hasn't been trying to do too much as far as punch, you know, looking looking dominant, but also, you know, taking care of people. And she's been doing that. And so 
uh, <clears throat> and they've just honestly been just putting her in great spots to look dominant. Like tonight, you know, with the six women that were in the Elimination Chamber match kind of going back and forth, and then Nia comes in and kind of shuts it down and starts beating everybody up, you know. And so it's going to be a really good match. I think uh, Rhea versus Nia Jax. Uh, I think they, they had a match before. I want to say it wasn't Night of Champions. It was was a Survivor Series. I cannot remember what what pay per view it was, but I feel like they had a one on one. Um, and Rhea obviously came out with the victory, but uh, this one I feel like it's going to be it, it's in Rhea's hometown uh, in Australia. Like it's just going to have a way bigger feel, way more importance. We're we're in WrestleMania season. So I'm excited for this one. And honestly, I mean, Rhea's going to win, obviously. But I'm excited to see Rhea have to come back and win and overcome this obstacle. But also kind of leaning into this. I mean, we've all, always known Rhea's one of the most popular wrestlers in the company, right? Men or women. And the mommy stuff and all, the, all that stuff. Like, she's been on the cusp of, like, that heel who we really want to root for but we still understand she's a heel. Like this is going to be full out baby face level crowd reactions uh, in Australia. So it's going to be interesting to see how she maneuvers that. Right. Um, Still being in the judgment day, still supposed to be a heel, but the crowd is going crazy for you. So that's going to be interesting that she does that. Um, I wouldn't mind if Rhea went baby face, baby, baby face in like of a, a gray area, right? Like she could still be an anti-hero, still do some stuff that's, you know, considered villain stuff, but kind of understand the moment. Like, you know, the crowd is going crazy for it. You don't have to flip them off or anything crazy, you you know, like lean into it a little bit. So I am excited for that match. I really am. Um, I think it's going to be a good championship match. And it's always interesting. It's kind of interesting that like, you know, the, the for the men's side, the world heavyweight title is like the secondary title. It's still up there. I'll give Seth credit. He's moved it up there to where it's a viable championship. But the but the but the universal title is obviously number one. Where in the women's side, it's the opposite. The the women's title, the one that Rhea has, is number one. The number two title right now is Eo's title. And so it's kind of interesting how that kind of flip flopped. So um so, yeah, it'd be interesting to see Rhea win this and how the crowd reacts and how the finish is going to go. Because I think I could see her beating Nia clean just to show how great uh, Rhea is. But all, uh, but also I could see her, you know, using the Judgment Day to make it to where Nia still looks like a contender moving forward. So I can kind of see both sides. Um, then we have the big news uh, coming out least pop culture news um friday we had the rock come out actually hollywood rock um come out on friday and he basically joined the bloodline officially and he cut a really good promo like uh it was in utah it was hilarious uh he was just talking about how they have a thousand babies and inbred babies and and things of that nature it was just really on point for you know utah mormon type jokes and um yeah, it was just a really good one. Like, I really enjoyed that match. I mean, I enjoyed that promo. And I thought Rock just, he looked like he was in his element again. He looked comfortable again. 
as far as being on the mic and and uh, working the crowd as a heel. And I think he's enjoying it, honestly. Like, The Rock hasn't been a heel. When was he a heel again? Last was like 20, like early th- 2000s, honestly, since the last time we've seen Hollywood Rock. So, um, like, when Stone Cold was still around and when he was losing, I think when he lost to Goldberg was the last time we saw him as a heel. So, um, yeah, it, I'm really excited to see the rock in the bloodline. Like I honestly never thought that would be the case, but I think due to the Cody, we want Cody campaign and all the Cody finishing his story stuff. They kind of went, okay, this could be interesting, right? The rock is a heel. This is a good pivot, right? That that wasn't the plan originally. We all know that, but this is a good pivot. There's rock and Roman together. Nobody thought about that. And so, that's going to be interesting how that works. And if The Rock still stays with Roman uh, or if he turns his back on Roman or, you know, any of those things. So it'll be interesting. Definitely, definitely for sure. I could definitely see a a, a point where, you know, Rock or Cody and Roman are going at it at WrestleMania. Bloodline starts getting involved. The Rock is there. And then The Rock turns on Roman and the Bloodline and helps Cody finishes story, right? Like I could definitely see that crowd goes crazy, all that. I could definitely see that. So, um, yeah, but either way, this was a really cool moment. You got to see rocking the Versace, you know what I mean? The real, real expensive shirts he used to wear back in the nineties, the shades, like real typical old school rock. And so it was really fun to see, uh, especially for those who were, you know, really, really tapped in during the attitude era. Um, but yeah, so, I kind of talked about how I'm really enjoying and, and Triple H has always done this, but even in NXT days, but I, I just really love how he understands storytelling with Vince McMahon was an over creative. It was extremely baseline. It was like almost childlike storytelling. It was, you only, you only can understand one storyline at a time. Right. If two people on if, if under Vince McMahon, Cody Rhodes and, and Roman, they would that would just be the program the whole time. They wouldn't interact with anyone else. They wouldn't have beef with anyone else. They wouldn't acknowledge anyone else on the earth existed within the WWE. They would just it'd be Roman Cody. They'd act like no one else existed. Whereas under Triple H, he understands that okay, yeah, for Cody. The big prize is obviously Roman. That's the that's the big beef. That's the big boss, right? But to get there, you're going to go through a journey. You're going to have beef with a few people. You're going to bump shoulders with a few people who are also trying to get to Roman to win the title. So why wouldn't you have many beefs along the way, right? Sort of like a video game. Like you have many missions along the way. And sort of stacking storylines on top of each other at the same time to where they interwine over and overlap over each other. Like that's the beauty part of that's the beautiful part of wrestling with storytelling. And that's what Triple H is doing. He's having Cody, yeah, he's beefing with the bloodline, but also he's now beefing with Drew because Drew is trying to get back in the main event scene. And he sees he's jealous of Cody and what Cody's done and winning the Royal Rumbles and having all these opportunities, which he didn't get. He got screwed out of. So he's beefing with Cody about that. So, like, 
it's really cool to see, um, you know, these, especially baby faces, have to fight off all these different actors, right? Same with Jay Uso, like I talked about. Jay has this bloodline, you know, beef, right? He has his beef with Roman, obviously has his beef with Jimmy. Um, that's kind of on the, that's like the peripheral, right? But along the way, he's had beef with many different people, right? And so, and now, just now, he's had it with Gunther. And so, like, that's a mini side mission, right, that he's on. That's probably now finished. So now he can fin- he could focus on the main thing, which is Jimmy and the bloodline, right? So he'll probably he'll probably intertwine with Jay. He'll probably, I mean, with Cody. So Jay and Cody will probably have a tag team match against Roman and Jimmy or uh, Solo and Jimmy, right? Like, it's just really cool how they're intertwining things, right? And same thing with, like, Imperium and the New Day, uh, intertwining them. Um, and it's just, I just really like how Triple H understands, like, these people are all in the same building. So you have a bunch of competitive people in the same building, good guys and bad guys. Not everything is going to just be a straight line. Like, sometimes you're going to deviate from the main mission because you got a little, you know what I mean, somebody looked at you crazy. So you got to handle some business real quick. So you got to go on, a, go on a little side beef with this other person, right? But then come back and focus on the main goal. Um, so it's really cool how Triple H has just understood that storytelling. And I think this is what we've always asked for. We just asked for a real, a, a, a real product, right? Where people acknowledge each other, interact with each other, have beef with each other. It don't even got to be no crazy five you know two month long beef where one person you know breaks into the other person's house and you know talks about the family like it ain't got to be that deep it just got to be hey me and you are going after the same goal like we have a beef now because you're in my way of achieving my goal i'm in your way of achieving your goal fine okay we can settle man to man handle our business for a couple weeks and then get back to what we was really on you know so it's real simple storytelling, but Vince never understood that. He kind of treated it as seven-year-olds are watching every week when it's like, no, not really. Like, this is a billion-dollar industry. I, that's why I always laugh when people are like, wrestling, that's for kids. It's like, do you not understand how much money WWE makes? If if wrestling was for kids, first of all, it wouldn't be around for – it wouldn't be a century-old product – Right. Wrestling, pro wrestling wouldn't be something that's in Japan, Australia, you know, overseas, UK, Ireland. Like it wouldn't be everywhere. Right. It wouldn't be this billion dollar industry. It wouldn't be. If it was just for kids, it just wouldn't be. Right. Toy sales can only make so much. Like some people, people have to buy tickets. People have to buy pay per views. People have to buy merch. Right. So who do you think is buying that? Those are grown people. Because the product is not for children. It's just not. It's been, at times, it's been more geared towards children. But it's never been more about children. Even back in the territory days, it definitely wasn't for children. Especially back then. They was talking crazy. They was doing crazy stuff. Um, And it was way more shoot style. You know, people thought it was legit real. You know, uh, people was trying to kill the Four Horsemen when they 
saw them, you know, jump in dusty roads. Like people was trying to jump in a cage to literally fans like rioted because they thought it was real, you know. So, but either way, back to, I digress, but I really love that Triple H's storytelling, his his formula has worked for, what, two and a half years now, and it's continuing to work to lead us towards a really good build for WrestleMania and Elimination Chamber. And speaking of that, let's talk about the men's Elimination Chamber, which I think so far is probably the, the least interesting elimination chamber i think the women's is probably a little more interesting but it is i will say both matches we kind of just finalized our our uh competitors in the in elimination chamber for both sides men's and women's and i'll say both sides have really good competitors like there's some years where elimination chamber you go back and watch like 2013 14 15, like it was rough it was like 2009, like it was some rough years there where like it was like Undertaker and then like four niggas that was garbage. Like you never heard of again. Like where now it's like, oh, snap. Like you got literally like in the men's room. I mean, the men's elimination chamber, for example, we probably got out of the six. We got four Hall of Famers and and two other guys who are really good. So we got Randy Orton, Drew McIntyre. Kevin Owens, Bobby Lashley. Then we have Logan Paul, who brings a different aspect, but very much needed. And then L.A. Knight, who brings another aspect, which is very much needed, right? Like Randy, former champ. Drew, former champ. KO, former champ. Bobby, former champ, right? Logan Paul is a U.S. champion, but obviously he brings something cool to the match. And then L.A. Knight's bringing He's probably one of the most, probably the most hot, uh, wrestler in the, in the entire match, right? He's probably the most over wrestler in the entire match. And, uh, and a lot of people are going to want to see him win the match. So I think this elimination chamber is going to be really good. Um, it's just been, the build has been good. It's just, I you know, it hasn't been as hyped up, especially like the preliminary matches and the qualifying matches. They've been good, but I think basically the build to this elimination chamber hasn't been for the men's hasn't been great, but I think the match will, will supersede all that. Right. Like, I mean, a lot of these guys are really good. Um, obviously all of them can work in the ring and I think they're going to do a really good job of like it being really balanced. Right. Um, like there's sometimes an elimination chamber where they put a bunch of randoms and then put a big monster in there. And the monster comes in and just starts wiping dudes out. That's not going to happen in this match. Way too many guys on equal planes. Um, way too many guys we have way too much respect for to be squashed. That's not going to happen. No one's going to get squashed in this match. That, so that's really exciting to see. That means we're going to get a great one. Honestly, the Elimination Chamber match last year in the men's, amazing. Amazing. And honestly, they took a different approach last year. Uh, just because it was for the U.S. title. So it was, you know, Montez Ford, Bronson Reed, Gargano. Um, you know, it was a really, really fun match, and it, it showcased some of the upcoming talent, right? Kind of the the really good mid-card that the WWE has right now, which is heavily underrated. The mid-card for the WWE right now is, is Attitude Era level. 
but that's another day, another topic. But I am excited for this one. Going to be a totally different match than what we got last year. Not going to be as not going to be any high flying. Really, Logan Paul will probably do something, obviously off of a the chamber, um, but. Other than that, probably not high flying. But hopefully we still – I think it'll be a high-impact match. And I think we get – I think we get Drew to win it. Now, it's, it's kind of tough because I could also see – like if Randy won it, I wouldn't be mad. If Ellie Knight won it, wouldn't be mad. Really, any of these guys, other than Logan Paul, obviously. Bobby doesn't have enough momentum to be winning this. He just doesn't. But I think they're probably going to use it to – Maybe veer off for a Bobby match at WrestleMania, uh, potentially, and him have a rivalry with one of these other guys. Uh, maybe him, him and Randy, somebody, you know. And hopefully this leads to, like, I, what it would be really cool is, is if, let's say, Drew wins the, wins the match, right? Goes on to WrestleMania and faces Seth. But then the rest of these guys have a match. We have maybe Logan Paul versus Bobby versus Randy versus KO versus LA Knight for the U.S. title at WrestleMania. That'd be cool. That'd be a really fun match, and I'd be very much interested in that because um, I don't think Logan would retain in that type of match. Um, so I, I, I think I really loved the Elimination Chamber match last year because what it, because it was a great match, and it pushed some really great things right moving forward like it really pushed some guys uh and some really good moment especially Brunson Reed Gargano Montez Ford not as much but it, he had an amazing showing in that match this match is going to be different this is way more star power so this will bring something different it'll be interesting now the women's elimination chamber match I am very much interested in because I thought they did a really good job of selecting the women sometimes Man, sometimes they pick, they make very interesting choices when it comes to elimination chamber for women's. I don't know why. I think sometimes they, because their champions are usually Bianca, Becky, uh, Charlotte. Some of the top workers are not are now outside of the match. Right, they're not defending their title in that match. So now you have to pull from. Lower down in the roster, you got to throw in a Meacham, uh, you know, Shane Baszler, which I like Shane Baszler, but, you know, just less star power. You're relying on Liv Morgans to carry a match. Again, no offense to Liv, but her to carry a match? Absolutely not. Um, you know, you're relying on some people who just aren't, you know, Raquel to carry match. I'm not saying they can't be in the match, but to carry the match and be the most have the most star power of everybody in the match, that's not good. Whereas this year, I thought they did a great job of picking. You got Bianca, right? You got Becky Lynch. Those two alone, like, you got as much star power as you're going to get. Low-key, more star power in the women's than there is in the men's um, right now, at least right now in their current state, right? But they also mixed it up by giving you Naomi, we all love good star power and we all want to see her come back and have a big match. Then you got, of course, Liv in there, probably a really good spot for her, right? Um, She'll be able to show out, do her thing. She will not win, which she shouldn't. She has no business. I want to be very clear. Liv Morgan in a match 
against Becky Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair, Naomi, and my girl Tiffy Tiffy Tom Tiffany Stratton. Liv Morgan has no business even pinning anyone in this match, let alone winning. If Liv Morgan gets a pin in this match, I will be shocked and I will be upset because she's not better than any any of these others. She's just not. Okay. Um, and also Raquel is in this match as well. So yeah, I, yeah, Liv. I'll let I'll let Liv live, but <laughs> you know she should she should be the first one out in this match, unless something funky goes on. But yeah, I just think it's a really good mixture. And again, this one I think should be if I'm if I'm producing the match. To me, if my goal coming out of this match is Becky is my winner. I think Becky should win. Um, Becky versus um, Rhea Ripley is the money match. It just it just is. I wouldn't go to Becky Bianca or Rhea Bianca yet, just because I want to let them simmer some more, and I want Bianca to get that title match versus. Uh, I want Bianca to have a match at WrestleMania, but mainly go up against potentially. Uh, Bailey after she wins versus EO. But I, uh, yeah, that's one of my goals. Becky to win the match. Secondly, I want Tiffany Stratton to look great. I want Tiffany Stratton to look great in this match. Also, I want Tiffany Stratton to potentially have a beef with Bianca. I think if you get a Bianca, Bianca Belair versus Tiffany Stratton at WrestleMania, that's a really good match. Like, that's a really good match. Um, so again, I would just want to really highlight Tiffany. Tiffany should get a couple eliminations here. Um, Raquel, at least Raquel looks, should look solid. Naomi should look really good. Um, that's kind of the clear thing. And obviously Bianca should only lose to Becky. Um, so I'm and and within this match, it should, should go into a, it should build a Tiffany Stratton, Bianca, Beef, which they kind of already started uh, on Raw tonight where, you know, they did the preview, kind of that, like, go home segment, and Tiffany and Bianca were getting into it on the mic. So they're kind of already sowing the seeds of a Bianca-Tiffany Stratton beef. And so I'm hoping that leads to a singles match, non-title match at uh, WrestleMania. But, yeah, really excited for this one. Uh, obviously, Raquel qualify for the match uh, in the Battle Royal that happened on Raw. It was a really fun Battle Royal. Sometimes I wish they would kind of speed it up and give us a little more excitement in these in these matches, especially on, like, a weekly show. Battle Royals, a weekly show, sometimes don't go really well, especially WWE. They're kind of conservative on, like, the type of eliminations. We just had a Royal Rumble, what, less than, a, like, a month ago. So... They had to do some stuff that was fresh. Not everything was, but um, Raquel coming out the win. I would have liked to see Alba Fire win this one, just because I think Alba Fire would look great in this match, and it would give you Tiffany and Alba as upcoming talents to get the look. I know they think of Raquel as upcoming talent, but Raquel's kind of already gotten this push before, so it would it wouldn't have hurt her to sit out this one come back maybe closer to mania or come back after mania 
and just pushed Alba Fire. Let Alba Fire really get in there and show what she can do. She's probably top 10, if not top five on the roster as far as a worker. So I think she would do a really good job in this match um, and could build her heel work, you know. And you could have a Alba Fire versus Liv matchup potentially in the future for Mania. I mean, probably not Mania, but you know what I mean, uh, as a weekly, like, SmackDown matchup. And, um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to that one. Should be fun. Obviously, Elimination Chamber is going to be at the crack of dawn uh, since it's in Australia, but we will be up and we will have a review for you guys. Um, it will be me, Pat, and L, of course, reviewing Elimination Chamber. Should be a good time. All right, my top fives to finish out. My top fives, this, this one, this top five today is very close to my heart. As you all know, Gunther's my favorite wrestler. Gunther is the epitome of what a pro wrestler should be. Um, so in a special edition, you know, I usually do top fives. I couldn't even do, I couldn't even eliminate, to, uh, narrow it down to five. I had to do seven. These are my top seven Gunther matches. Now, I want to be clear. These are not Wal anything under Walter's resume. Walter, anything under Walter is eliminated from this. This is only Gunther. So we're not going to have the Dragunov matches. We're not going to have the Tyler Bate matches. We're not going to have the Pete Dunn matches. These are just Gunther. So this is just him on the main roster as Gunther. Okay? Just want to get that out there because I know some people are like, yo, what about, you know, Imperium versus Undisputed Era? I love that match. One of my favorite uh, six-man tag matches of all time or eight-man tag matches of all time. But it doesn't count on this one because he was Walter. So, all right, number seven. This is where he beat – no, actually, this is when he defended his title, I think the first time, against Ricochet on SmackDown. Uh, Ricochet had, the like, the purple tights or whatever. Really, really good match. Really good match. Uh, I think Gunther was working on that uh, – that finisher he used for a little bit, you know, the little side slam, kind of the Braun Breaker slam, but, you know, a kind of variation of that that Gunther was doing. I hated that finisher, but uh, overall the match is really good. And again, Gunther, the reason that Ricochet got that momentum to then face Logan Paul and, and get a lot more highlight was off the back of this match, off the back of his rivalry with Gunther. Uh, he looked... Ten times better against Gunther. He looked like a guy who, who, who deserved to be in that spot. Obviously lost, but everybody loses to Gunther. That's not the point. The point is, how good do you look, and is this something you can sustain? And he sustained it for a little bit due to the matches with Gunther. So, number seven, Ricochet versus Gunther on SmackDown. Uh, when Gunther was on SmackDown, you know, he originally moved to the main roster and went over to SmackDown before being drafted over to Raw. Number six, this one happened a little more recently. This is The Miz versus uh, Gunther on Raw. I think this is in December, late December. This was that whole, like, you know, Gunther saying, you know, Miz, you're, you're a puppet show. You're a, you know, you're on a reality show. You're disrespectful to the mat. You're disrespectful to the sport I love. And they had a really fun rivalry. Um, it was like the antithesis of each other. It was not a matchup you would have thought of that you would get some great match out of, but I loved it. That match was so much fun. It was great. 
it was uh you got to see, you know, Miz it's crazy because Miz is a really good and underrated babyface. Like anytime he's really anytime he's really bought in a hundred percent to being a babyface, he's killed it. Because he's amazing on the mic and he's a good worker and the crowd can get behind him because he's not the greatest athlete and he's going against dudes that look like Gunther and Drew McIntyre and all these guys who just look the part. So you kind of feel, you know, you kind of root for him naturally. And so, yeah, um, that match was really fun. Ben's got the hell beat out of him, but he really fought back. And he, and again, he made, he made you feel sympathy for him while he was trying to overcome this beast of a man that is Gunther. So that was a really fun one. And we knew, you know, Miz is one of the greatest IC champions of all time. So it wasn't like this dude was in there with no experience. Like, no, we knew, okay, Miz has what it takes to win a title. It's just, does he have what it takes to beat the GOAT of IC champions? You know what I mean? So next we have number five, big men slapping me. You know, you know, that's my favorite category uh, of wrestling anyways. Pause. But Brunson Reed versus uh it was Gunther versus Brunson Reed on Raw. They went against each other, I think, twice. First one I saw actually in person. And that was amazing. That was amazing at that Raw. That Raw was in Oklahoma City. Amazing. I think they went against each other again. And um and I may be confusing this because I watched it live and then I rewatched it uh on television. So I may be it may have just be one match that I saw. But it was amazing. Uh, Gunther actually got the power bomb against him. It was it was great. It was a really good build to Gunther getting that power bomb. Obviously, he had to work to, you know, the first like two three attempts he tried and he couldn't get him up. Brunson looked great. Uh, the chops were, I mean, you could hear it all the way through the arena. It was amazing, uh, and it just made Brunson look like a monster as well. As always, Gunther any. As all these matches on my on my name today, all of them Gunther made the opponent look really good, and I think Brunson Reed is a really talented big, talented big guy. He's not some big guy who can't wrestle. He's good. Brunson Reed is really talented, and so he showed that off. Like they had some great stuff on the side turnbuckle, some great moves over there. Just you could tell they had a lot of chemistry. I think they worked with each other a lot overseas. Um, so and NXT, so yeah, shout out to them. Great match. Um, number four, this one was a fun one because this was a matchup that, like, this is one of those like dream matchups where you're like, man, like you're playing 2K and you're like, it'd be fun to watch these two guys go against each other. We got to see it. It was Gunther versus Kevin Owens on Raw. Again, all these, all these are Raw, folks. Like, we're getting classic matches on free television. Like, I mean, I appreciate you, Triple H, that you don't put Gunther on premium live events, which is interesting. It's an interesting choice, but, you know, we get to see Gunther free. So I appreciate it um, on a weekly basis, too. Um, and, yeah, him versus KO was just amazing. It was just total opposite styles. Um, one's a heavy hitter in Gunther. The other one is a is a fight machine, a bout machine, uh, you know, we'll do whatever it takes to win. Uh, we'll jump off whatever we'll, you know, and it just, it was really fun. And it kind of represented like two different eras of pro wrestling. Like Kevin Owens is more of the, 
you know, mid to the early 2010s kind of ring of honor level wrestler where you kind of had everything in your game as far as, you know, you were the Seth Rollins, the, the, um, Sammy Zane's, the Daniel Bryan's, the, you know what I mean? Like you can wrestle on the map, but you can also do some stuff off the top rope. You can also do some extreme stuff. You can also, you know what I mean? You can do some really crazy stuff. And then Gunther represents kind of a later 2010s, which is more strong style, right? Where it's very like simple, kind of basic, but extremely stiff, extremely like intense and, you know, looking more of a realistic fighting style. And so it was a really cool clash of styles. And again, like KO and Gunther are some of my two favorite wrestlers ever. Um, so I could watch their, those two matches without each other, just on their own all day. So with these two getting together on Raw, of all things, again, this is on Raw. This could have been on if, – if you would have gave me a Gunther versus Kevin Owens match at Elimination Chamber, I'd be extremely hyped. But the fact that we got it on a, on a normal episode of Raw, crazy, crazy. Um, number two, these last two, very predictable. I know, but they're just too good. Uh, number two, Seamus Clash at the Castle. I think this is Gunther's coming out party. I think for many of us, including myself, I was a Gunther guy way back when he was in Evolve, way back when he was over in UK, NXT UK. But I think to the casual fan, this was the, oh, okay, this dude's a superstar. Like, I know he's really good in the ring, but this dude's a superstar. The the match he had with Sheamus, man, that was, again, one match of the year. You know what I mean? This man has back-to-back matches of the year, 2023 and 2022. And this one in 2022, Clash of the Castle. You're in a great environment overseas in Wales. The crowd is in Sheamus's hand. They're just wishing and hoping Seamus can win and Gunther just beat that man to a pulp. <laughs> you know, and it just it was to the point to where you felt bad for Seamus. You felt uncomfortable how hard Gunther was hitting him. You kind of was like, man, fight back, Seamus, you know. And so Gunther just did a great job and amazing match. Those two killed it. They have great chemistry. They're just built to wrestle each other. Fight forever as, as many would say. And then my number one, obviously, the Triple Threat Intercontinental Championship match, 2023 WrestleMania, Gunther versus Drew versus Sheamus. Um, Great match. Um, Really, really fun one. Uh, Heavy, heavy hitting. uh, Three big men slapping meat, you know, and it was was fun. The finish was amazing with the powerbomb on top of the other guy. It was just... And you felt, you felt it. Like there was times where you thought Seamus was going to have his moment. Then Drew would steal it away. And then Seamus would come back. Oh, he had his moment. Nope. Then Gunther would steal it away. And then you got to really focus in on uh, Gunther versus Drew, which we hadn't really, we seen bits and pieces, but now we got to get a little more time with it. That was beautiful. So again, great match, amazing match in a great environment. They deserve that platform, and they showed out. I mean, it was the match of the match of the year, if not for 
you know, you could put Charlotte versus Rhea match of the year up there too. But um, yeah, it just killed it. And so those are my top seven Gunther matches. Again, I couldn't narrow it down to just five. I had to highlight the other ones. And honestly, there's plenty of more. The match he had with Jay Uso could be in the top ten. The matches he had with um, you know, um Kingston and match he had with Tommaso Ciampa, the match he had with Chad Gable, right? Um, those were amazing. Uh I left off the one with the ones with Gable. Those were great. Um, so so many, so many matches, man. Uh honestly, Imperium versus uh the uh, Brawling Brutes. That was amazing. I think that was on SmackDown. That was fun. So it's just so many matches, man. If I left any off, let me know. Uh, and let me know what your favorite Gunther matches are. But, again, uh, be looking on the lookout for this episode as well as upcoming review next week of Elimination Chamber. Should be a fun one. Uh, yeah, till next time, we out. Yeah. <laughs>